You may be seated for our scripture readings. Our first reading this day from Deuteronomy in the 34th chapter. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pishkah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the plain, that is, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, none like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading this day from the letter to the Hebrews in the third chapter. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel. Our gospel reading this day from Luke's gospel in the ninth chapter. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. 
Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, A cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. This is the gospel of the Lord. Osei Shalom Bimramav. Who? Yaaseh Shalom Aleinu. Ve'al Kol Yisrael Ve'imru Omen. May he who makes peace in the high places make peace for us and for all Israel. And say ye, Amen. I mean, with some oomph. And say ye, Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm just used to Jewish oomph, if you don't mind. Not the Lutheran kind of thing. Though we are Lutherans, we want to sort of go back to some of our oomphiness days, if you will. My name is Steve Cohen, and I'm a missionary. My goal in life was to become a criminal attorney, and a funny thing happened to me on the way to law school. The day before law school started, I was standing on a hill in Seattle, Washington, and a man driving a big black Lincoln Continental drove up to where I was standing, stopped, got out of the car, walked up to me, somehow knew I was Jewish, and said, God sent me here to talk to you. He said, you are to study the Bible, become a believer in Jesus, because your mission in life is to bring the gospel to the Jewish people. Having said that, he got in the car, He drove away, I never saw him again, and there's only one word that describes what I was thinking that that day. It's a Yiddish word, and that was meshugana. (laughs) Yiddish for nuts. I had never heard of such a thing. A Jewish person believing in Jesus. I was taught Jesus isn't for us. We're still waiting. The rabbis who are still waiting for a personal Messiah say, well, no. How will we know? Well, when the Messiah comes, the lion will lay down with the swords will be beaten in two. Now, in case you haven't read the news today, does it appear like lions are laying down with lambs or swords being beaten into plowshares? Probably just the opposite. So say many of the rabbis today, therefore the world conditions themselves demonstrate the Messiah hasn't come yet, the true Messiah. We are still waiting. Very interesting scriptures for today. The time of the transfiguration. Two key people are there along with Peter, James, and John. And they're giving witness to what's going on. 
Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses our teacher, and Eliyahu, Elijah the prophet. And it would be really fascinating to have like a transcript, or maybe if CNN was there, uh, uh, to take note of what was going on and give a live uh, eyes report of what was happening. And the scripture just gives us a little glimpse into it. And Peter and, Peter and James and John, they say, hey, it's great we're here, guys. And why don't we be th build three tents? Well, they did this because this is what they knew to, knew to do. For in Jewish life, you had a cycle of festivals. The first one in the springtime was Passover. We talked about that. But then you get to the fall cycle, and you get to Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. This year, by the way, in the Jewish calendar is the year 5,783. And rabbis teach that this goes back to the time of creation. And after that, you have Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year, focusing on the time in which atonement would be made for the people. And this was the one day the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies and bring the blood of a bull and lamb to make an atonement for the sins of the people. Five days after, we end up with the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles is a wonderful time. And if you were to, I hope you'll talk to Nancy and Toy because they've spent much time in Israel and it's a joyous time in the land. And people build these temporary shelters called booths. And these little booths, you're supposed to eat at least a piece of an olive food, the size of an olive each day during the eight days of this festival. But most people uh, deck it out with much more. And it's a time to bring families together and have big meals. Some even put TVs out there and, and, and put up the, the, the dish so they can collect that. And they spend, spend the whole night out there. But these temporary booths were designed to make a statement and a reminder, as each biblical festival was. And it was a reminder of God's interaction in human history. The Passover, we remember what God did to bring us out of Egypt. And then, then we get to Pentecost, we remember the giving of the law 50 days later to Moses on Mount Sinai. Those commandments. How many commandments did Moses get, by the way, you remember? Oh, there we've got somebody who knows right up front. 613. Oh, you heard it yesterday. <laughs> you remember, though. That's great. 613 commandments Moses received. 248 positive, say the rabbis. One for each bone in the body. 365 negative, one for each day of the year. And how many of those 613 commandments did God tell Israel to keep? Oh, no, all of them. All 613. How much of the time? All the law, all the time. Do I have a volunteer? We can't. We fall short. Falling short of keeping God's commands, the Hebrew word chatah literally means to miss the mark like an archer tries to strike the bullseye. Our intention is to live good lives and to do good things, but we miss the mark in thoughts 
and words and deeds and things done that we shouldn't do and things undone that we should have done, we miss the mark. Um, one of the ways that uh, I try to help people understand the consequences, because there are some people today who question, you know, you know are we really accountable? And um, um, when my uh, oldest daughter, Sarah, got her driver's license, and uh, she was driving one day, and uh, you, sh you see the lights of the cars, you know, the police kind of lights behind you, and she said, Dad, how would you know it's you thereafter? <laughs> I said, that's a really good question. And, and guess what? If he comes up right behind you and kind of stays there, guess what? It's you. <laughs> and you, you were supposed to pull over, not speed away. And uh, if that happens to you, uh, the officer can come up to you and you roll down your window and you hope you have your driver's license and your insurance in place. And the officer will always ask you that inevitable question, do you know how? Look at the experience we've got here. <laughs> how fast? Don't ever answer that question, by the way, because you're indicting yourself when you do. Uh, at, at which point, you know, the officer has a choice. Give you a warning, write you a ticket. If you get a warning, you, you know, hail and farewell and off you go. If you write a ticket, you've got some choices to make. And uh, choice one is to uh, pay the fine or decide to go to court. And uh, if you decide to go to court, you've got some choices to make. You can decide to plead guilty or not guilty. And if you decide to plead not guilty, you're going to have a trial. And if you decide to go to trial to contest that ticket, uh, then um, there's one thing most people really hope for that happens at that trial. And one people hope for is, boy, look at all the experience we've got here. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Because if the officer doesn't show, you've got to throw it out, right? So here's how I try to help people think things through. Imagine just for a moment a traffic ticket. Well, we'll call it a sin ticket. Something written down each time we sin. And let's say we're pretty darn good people and we only sin 10 times a day. All right, now who can do that little? Not me. But at 10 times a day, in one week, how many tickets do you have? 70. Very good. In one 30-day month, how many tickets do you have? 300. In one average year, how many tickets do you have? 3,650. In a decade, how many do you have? 36,500. In an average lifetime, over a quarter of a million. Now, these are your tickets. They've got your name on it. And guess what? There's going to be a day of judgment. So picture that time in the future. And you've got a nice little table over here. It's got your name on the front. And piled high, a quarter of a million traffic tickets. Your name, each one. The person next to you, 
They got half a million. And the next person down, a million. And as you look down the road, they get taller and taller and taller. And you know what most people think? Hey, I've got it made in the shade. God's going to grade on a curve. Because look at me. Look at how good I've been. But we're told in the book of James that if you have violated just one of God's commandments, just one, it is as if you have violated the whole law. And Peter and James and John are witnessing this transfiguration and thinking, well, we are called to build booths, so why don't we go build some booths? And we'll make it, uh, what else are we going to do? We're here, and who understands all of this that's going on? But Jesus is revealing his might and his power like never before here on earth. And you know something? I think we need to focus on that in our minds and hearts today because we are living in very challenging times. Who would have thunk two years ago COVID would come and basically put a stop to all of the activities that we've done? Who would have thunk that we would be witnessing what we are today with the war machine rumbling in to Ukraine, where the president of Ukraine, a Jewish man, by the way, Mr. Zelensky, has been accused of Nazifying Ukrainians. You can imagine the oddity of that. And no, this is not a political discussion. But this is a discussion on the realities of the scripture that speaks of famines and wars and rumors of wars, portents of the end coming, where that day of judgment, we will stand before God. Now, I grew up in a non-religious Jewish home. My parents were Jewish, my grandparents were Jewish, my great-grandparents were Jewish. I was born Jewish. Out of curiosity here at this gathering this morning, how many of you were born Christian? Can I see your hands real high, please? If you were born Christian, put them down. It's a trick question. You see, my people have a misunderstanding. They think Jewish parents produce Jewish children. True. Therefore, it must be that Christian parents produce. Not true. No one has ever been born Christian. Everyone has been born exactly the same way. We we're all born sinners. We were all born destined to spend 
eternity in hell. We were all born with a great need that we couldn't even manufacture ourselves by living good lives and doing good things because our good works don't count towards merit to get to heaven. But God. Let me say those two words again. But God so loved the world, Jewish people and Gentiles, that he gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I didn't know those things growing up. I grew up surrounded by Christians. My Christian friends went to church. We occasionally showed up at synagogue. They knew I was Jewish. They knew we didn't believe in Jesus. And for the first 23 years of my life, not one of my Christian friends ever spoke to me of Jesus. It was through a Lutheran layman whom I met at basic training at Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas, who started praying for me daily for three years, that God would work faith in my life and I'd be willing to consider the scriptures. And when I came to faith in 1973, through his personal witness and God's word working in my life, my late wife, Jan, was organist at a little Lutheran church in Tacoma, Washington. And I tagged along one day and sat in a Bible class, and I asked a question. If you have a friend who doesn't believe in Jesus yet, how do you start the conversation? What do you do? And one of the members of that church for over 30 years stood up and said, Mr. Cohen, we are Lutherans. We don't do that sort of thing. I was shocked. It was one of those moments that strike you hard. And for the last 45 years, in our work, the apple of his eye, we've been trying to do two things. Get the gospel out so the people will consider him and encourage and equip the church to do the same. Most of you, I'm sure, know people, Jewish and Gentile-ish, who don't believe in Jesus yet. But when I ask the question, how many have taken the initiative to share their faith with their Jewish friends in the last year or so, the average per church, and I've been in about 1,800 now, is less than four adults per church. So the question for us today is if God so worked to send his son, fulfilling the promises and prophecies given through the law and the prophets to help us identify the hope we have for salvation, then the least we can do is be loving yet direct, inviting others to consider the claims of Jesus that they might come to know what we 
No. We don't need to just go around building tents or churches or buildings. We need to build relationships in the lives of lost souls, having compassion upon them as God had compassion upon us, as he was willing to send somebody into my life in order to help me to see and understand and recognize my need, a lost sinner in need of God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness. Jesus, by the way, when, when he was born, wasn't given the name Jesus. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. Jewish parents give Hebrew names to their children. And so the name given to Jesus at birth is Yeshua. Can you say that, please? Yeshua. That is his given name. And I'm not a linguist or a scholar and those kinds of things as to how we ended up with the English Jesus, but it's, it's the same whether we say it one way or the other. So long as we recognize we're talking about the Savior of the world, who took on our sin, that old stack of him, who carried them to the cross, who allowed himself to become a sacrifice, that his death was a substitute for us, that we might be able to go and lovingly tell. Our little group, The Apple of His Eye, began in 1996 with a vision of getting the gospel out and equipping the church. Now we're in our 26th year of doing these things. Pastor mentioned the envelope that you all have. If you would look at the envelope just for a moment, you're going to notice on the front a place for your name and at least your email address. And I'm going to ask this morning if you would do us a kindness of printing neatly. And I must re 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 reiterate, print neatly, please, your name and your email address. I have some materials I'd like to send you. We have a free monthly newsletter. And uh, if you are willing to help support us, the budget for us this year, our 26th year, is just about $325,000. So if you have the ability and could write a check this morning for that amount, that would help. Uh, um, uh, but uh, in, in, in sincerity, whatever you might be able to give, and as pastors mentioned already, only over and above your existing church giving and mission commitments. We dedicate these gifts to the cause of reaching Jewish people and Gentiles here and abroad so that they might know who the Messiah is, the one who came, died for our sins, and rose from the dead. You can leave the envelopes here. You can mail them to us later, whatever is easiest for you. Go online to see our website. We've got a terrific website. Toy's husband, Richard and Toy, work on this website and have really elevated it to serve you as a great tool in terms of your personal witness and to be able to know more. And your prayers for us, we'd ask your prayers for three things. First of all, wisdom as we continue our mission work. Courage in these 
challenging days, and creativity to continually find ways of connecting others with the gospel using the tools and technologies that are available so that people might be able to hear the Messiah has come and his name is Yeshua. Let's pray. Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King, I thank you for the blessing of being with this community of faith. I pray, O oh Lord, you might encourage them, first of all. You might strengthen their faith. You might open their eyes to see lost souls who are in urgent need of help and salvation. You might open our lips, O oh Lord, to speak lovingly yet directly of the Messiah who has come. And that together, O oh Lord, as seeds are planted, the work of your Ruach HaKodesh, your Holy Spirit, might indwell those who don't know you yet, plant faith, and draw them to yourself. Use us, O oh Lord, even in these trying days. We pray in Jesus' name, and all God's children said, We thank you, Lord, for your generous gifts that you have given to your church, and we thank you for the generous hearts which you have also given, that through these hearts and hands and means that you support the work of your church. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless these offerings that come to this church as well as to the Apple of His Eye Mission Society, that through them the work that you would have done would be done and that glory would be brought to you so that all would know of your love your grace, and your mercy for us through your Son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to join your hearts together with mine as we pray for our church, for the world, and for all those in need. Heavenly Father, in prayer, your Son, Jesus, revealed his glory to Peter. James, and John, grant that we, also gathered in prayer, would see him by faith and receive from him the redemption he has accomplished for us. Lord, in your mercy. O oh God, your Son shines in resurrected light. Illuminate your church with his own brightness, that she would tell the world of his mighty deliverance. We pray for your church in Ukraine, that they would remain a light during a dark time of war. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, as you appointed Moses of old to lead your people, so you sent your son, Jesus, to found and lead your church. Especially this day, we pray for our local circuit of churches as we work together in this place. Sustain us from age to age and grant us teachers of righteousness to guide us in the days to come. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, as your Son cares faithfully for his holy church, grant us as a sure confidence in him and give us faithful hearts to serve him according to the callings he has given us. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Almighty God of the nations, we pray for our world as it once again experiences war and conflict. 
Be with the people of the Ukraine as they experience military aggression. Keep them in your protective care. Watch over our brothers and sisters, especially those in the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Ukraine and Bishop Sergei Mashuski, that their minds would be filled with wisdom, their actions would be filled with love, and their hearts would find rest and comfort. Finally, grant wisdom to governmental leaders everywhere, but especially this day in Russia, that they would be inclined to walk in the ways of righteousness and peace and cease military hostilities. Lord, in your mercy. Father of all comfort, as we follow the way of your apostle into your presence, you join our prayers to the ceaseless petitions of your dear son. Hear us for the sake of the troubled, the sick, and the dying. Especially this day from our church family, we lift up to you Art Birch, Gary, and Marianne Harms, Frida Hess, Paul Lang, Rich Muman, and Evelyn Moss, Lorraine Rempel, Eric and Phyllis Wild, Les Beckhew, Laura Benneman, Joyce Brockman, Jan Bricker, and Bob Bullock, Matt Cowell, Bonnie Cross, Lane Cross, Dayton Dangel, Candace Doherty, Rod Erdman, Sonia Ford, and Ramses Gaddis, Steve Esquierdo, Bill Irvin, Jose Jacinto, Donna Klein, and Bob Kleinfeld, Kerry Cook, Larry Patton, Linda Sanchez, Annie Kranitz, Marla Usher, and all those whom we lift up to you in our hearts now. Dear Lord, be with your loved ones. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious Father, you gave your Son as the final sacrifice for sin as he faithfully prepares his own body and blood for us Christians to eat and drink. Grant us confidence to draw near to him and receive him worthily. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we gratefully remember on this day the glorious manifestation of your Son's divinity on the Mount of Transfiguration. Teach us to listen to Jesus and ever fix our eyes on him and his innocent suffering and death for our forgiveness. By your grace and mercy, strengthen us to remain faithful in all circumstances of trial, temptation, and persecution. Preserve us to the end, that we may die a blessed death believing in your beloved Son, with whom you are well pleased, through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. <laughs>